Hey podcast listeners, we're back with part B of our Buy Sell Hold 2018 edition. Alright, so let's kind of lump these next two together, because I think they really just kind of go together. And I don't even know if we should keep talking about them or if they deserve to be delisted, but server-side Swift and package managers. I think... Oh, I think I think they're yeah. different. I think server-side Swift... Uh... Just, just to be clear, last year Sam and I were a sell, and Alex was a hold. I, I'm guessing you're a sell now, yeah, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably a sell. I think to get the same kind of language features and and enjoyment of coding on the server side, I'd probably go with Kotlin these days. But um, yeah, server side Swift, I'm, I'm I'm probably a sell at this point uh, without some major uh, growth in in the platform and the libraries and general support uh package man package managers i've got a different opinion on yeah me too yeah. i i still think like and maybe maybe you guys all think the same thing but you know once once they get that solidified server side swift doesn't really matter that much like it's more that we'll have like a package manager that's like officially blessed by apple and will be supported and i think that'll uh be a big deal yeah. and there have been some pretty nice improvements in spm this past year uh, they've added some nice utility libraries and in if you're building a command line application uh, spm is probably a great choice uh, we're still kind of waiting to see better support for building iOS uh, frameworks and iOS applications with SPM. It's, it's definitely not ready to replace CocoaPods or, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think you know, maybe S this year. SPM is definitely more the cross-platform package manager for Swift. If you're doing server-side Swift, all five of you out there, you're probably using SPM. Uh, interestingly, I was at CodeMash last, this past week and there was a guy doing a presentation on serverless architectures. He, he does not own a Mac, never really has owned a Mac, but he is a Swift developer somewhat because he uses Swift in a Docker container and deploys his uh, functions to uh, some, it was like OpenWhisk, I think. It was like a, an open source serverless, uh, arc, uh, serverless container runner thing. So he's never coded Swift on any kind of Mac hardware, never wrote an iOS app, never wrote a Mac app, but likes Swift and loves it, but he's only used it on Linux. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that he actually got paid to do that, but he liked it. He definitely used PHP more as far as uh, professional work that he got paid for. And I think later in 2017, we started seeing some movement on some of these Ruby uh, utilities that we use to build our apps, moving to Swift, or at least experimenting with Swift as an alternative. So Fastlane, for one, is has a, a, a Swift fork out there. Uh, so I, for one, would be really happy to not have to worry about different versions of Ruby to build my Swift applications. So it sounds like Alex and I are buys on pack Swift Package Manager. 
Is that true? Are you I, outside of things that aren't in Xcode, I guess, or, or non iOS apps? I would, I would say, yes, SPM is definitely a, a good technology. And I'm hopeful this year we'll see um, a, a lot of improvements there that would let us use it for iOS apps instead of CocoaPods or Carthage or one of those guys. Sam? So, yeah, I think SPM would be a buy, but only if Swift outside of Apple environments is really a thing. And I don't see that happening this year. So, uh, sell. Maybe I wouldn't really try to invest any kind of time into Swift Package Manager since I'm not thinking that I would ever invest any effort into uh, Swift on Linux or anything. See, like I'm that. I'm still thinking that uh, June's only six months away. Uh, I think they could make enough progress that people could um, start start using SPM instead of CocoaPod. So I'll I'll give it a buy for that reason. Not not <laughs> for the kind of other swift stuff but it sounds like i'm alone and maybe this may just be like a hopeful like if i if i really think it'll uh have success then it will but <laughs> uh spm ha would have to be able to produce frameworks and i don't remember if it does at this point we got six yeah, months I think, it, <laughs> I think it only does static libraries right now which is why we can't really use it for uh to replace cocoa pods and things like that there's yeah. time still. All right. So our last <laughs> be, yeah. be the dreamer. So our last item for 2017 was AR and VR. Um, I bought both. Uh, Sam just bought AR and Alex bought VR. It looks like. So I think right now I'm a hold on VR and I'm a buy on AR because I feel like there's more more stuff coming with AR. A lot of the big companies have kind of committed a lot of resources to it. And VR is, it's kind of consumer VR is out and it's there. Um, but I don't think it's going to explode in 2018. I think it's kind of the, the irony of that is that in late 2017 is when VR uh, finally was supported on the Mac, at least switch with uh, uh, Steam and HTC Vive. Yeah. So the hardware can now support it uh, on the desktop, yep. uh, but you know it's still kind of a developer preview type of model. Yeah, I think we're gonna need to wait for it to be just mobile. You know, you're not gonna need to hook it up to computer before it's gonna catch on big, which is why I'm kind of a hold for now. But I, I do think that's coming, and I think it, it may be on on par with AR at that point. But we'll see. Yeah. I think like Apple also introduced ARKit, uh, which was a pretty nice framework. I think it still has, I think we'll see a lot of improvements in that in 2018. Uh, like kind of the biggest things is right now it's mostly focused on uh, horizontal planes. So we might see uh, some improvements. Give me some vertical added, planes. Like, Give me some rooms yeah, or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Identify tables, you know, not just tabletops, but obstacles in a room. Yeah, maybe once we um, have like the iPhone 10 big enough install base, they'll be able to use some of those sensors or something. I don't know. Yeah, we did see a pretty big drop in ARKit uh, development uh, at the end of the, this past year as developers have kind of 
the shininess has kind of faded and to some degree has been mostly uh, gimmicky. And there's been a few practical applications of it, a few fun applications. But my opinion is AR is really not going to take off until we have some sort of uh, glasses or headset. Yep. And uh, Magic Leap has, which I think Google owns, uh, announced a developer kit, which is intriguing. And I think Microsoft, whatever theirs, their thing is called, I forget. Uh, seems like that's progressing, but it's all still early stuff. But yeah, I think we're expecting headsets in like 2020 from Apple. Yeah, I even though I'm a buy, it, it may not like become big. I don't think until post 2018, like you said. So, so how well does that Microsoft stuff compare to things like the HTC Vibe? Because I know it's a lot cheaper in cost because. My brother, Christmas time, basically, he bought a laptop and they gave him a VR headset oh, for free. No, so with it. Microsoft Windows now supports like VR headsets, and those are, I would say, like on par with a uh, with a Rift or a a Vive. Um, on par with that, or like a PlayStation. Well, they don't. I don't think they have of... controllers that are that work as well, though. I. I, I so, so it's probably like a mid-range. Uh, yeah. They have controllers that have like all yeah. the button configurations so that they can work with the different so, types of games, like the ones made for HTC yeah. and ones made okay. for... Um, well, so VR Oculus. did get a lot cheaper in 2017. The Rift, uh, I mean, you can get the whole whole kit and caboodle for like 300 bucks, I think now, something like that. Um, I, I think it's okay. up a little bit. It, it, there was a holiday sale where it was 300 around 300. Um, but yeah, I think it's still under 400. The Vive is still kind of more expensive, but I, I think that's probably going to go down in price soon. They announced like a, a higher resolution headset that's going to come out later 2018. Um, but the, the Microsoft thing I was talking about was HoloLens, which is kind of more in the AR oh. field. And that's still like five, 5G's for a developer kit. So I, I was like, what? It's not yeah. cheaper. What are you talking about? But okay. I, yeah. Microsoft <laughs> did come out with VR yeah, headsets for, for Windows. That's what. It's kind of a. They have some kind of standard or specification, I guess you call it. Right. Supposedly a bunch of hardware manufacturers have signed on to, to make these headsets. Oh, yeah. But that's bad. Yeah. The Vive was kind of built to the open VR um, standard. And then I believe Oculus. Uh, made their API compatible with it. So that's why you can run Steam on your Rift. And then, yeah, it sounds like some of these other companies did the same thing. But then Microsoft added some additional support. Um, so so, so, what are you guys for 2018 for AR and VR? I'm probably still... I'm probably more of a hold uh, this year just because I think AR is... I think for the most part... I. I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time building VR apps. Okay. Uh, we might play around with AR this year, but I don't know if it'll be more than proof of concepts. That's fair. Uh, in, in terms of the hardware, I, I we're seeing both HTC and Oculus and Google uh, kind of push that mid-tier headset. So um, most of the vendors are 
getting ready to release uh, uh, standalone headsets that you don't need a computer or phone. But are kind of crappy, yeah. and I would never want to use. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. They, well, they'll make but, you sick. But in terms of like <laughs> mainstream market, I think we'll see a little bit more adoption on VR. It's possible. Yeah, like like you said, I'm a hold on VR and buy on AR. I, maybe I think things will happen sooner than they actually will. Uh, what about you, Sam? Yeah, I think the only thing I was a buy for last year was AR and. I might have to just downgrade my outlook on that because we had six months of uh, time to come up with great AR apps and we got tape measures and dinosaurs running around on your carpet. Hey, we've got uh, Pokemon Go Plus. <laughs> yeah, what about that, Sam? You're invested in that, aren't you? I've used it a couple of times. It's entertaining, but you just look stupid. <laughs> you look you look dumber than usual. Oh, yeah, right? we need the goggles, and then you still look stupid. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Well, who's gonna want to carry a headset with them out in in the park somewhere? Do you, you remember Google Glass? People wore those around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. True. Google. I, I. Is it just the Pixel that has the Star Wars? Sticker AR sticker pack. No, I think it's all their AR kit stuff, isn't it? I'm not uh, sure. Whatever phone that would support that. that or their library. Yeah, there's this called the only one. Yeah, the only one at the time. AR Core, I think. The Pixel. That's right. Or Core AR, maybe. So, so um, you're a hold on AR and sell on VR, Sam? I don't even know. <laughs> well, that's what it sounded like you described. <laughs> yeah. That's what's going in the notes. Yep. So it's, it's official. It's it's in the books, okay. and we're not going right. to listen to this next year. We're just going to look at the notes. Right. So, <laughs> okay, hold it best. Okay, yeah, I, not this year. I don't think will be the. I don't think this year will be the time that VR just skyrockets. Maybe towards the end of the year, it'll start to hit a critical mass with the next holiday shopping season. But I don't know. All right, so we've got new 2018 stuff now. <laughs> yeah. We're only 50 minutes into this episode. Yeah, we can probably go through some of this pretty fast. Um, I mean, we've talked about a lot of these things in previous episodes. Yeah. So the, the first item on the new list is Internet of Things. Um, not really a new concept, but we haven't really talked about it too much on on the podcast, partially because Apple doesn't do a whole lot in this space. Not like uh, Android uh, with Android things. Yeah, and for me, I'm struggling to find it, what the practical use is in my day job. I don't really, I don't. Maybe my imagination just isn't good enough. I don't see your average geek guy uh, writing some IoT application, and then some company going off and buying five thousand Arduinos or whatever and deploying it to their field agents. Well, that's just like the hobbyist space, isn't? I mean, you're talking about all this smart home stuff, right? Isn't that what IoT is, or is that not what you were thinking, Alex? Well, that, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. It's, yeah. it's you know, I, I've bought more home automation things in the last year, uh, but I'm, I personally, it, I'm trying to keep that to a minimum because I don't necessarily need 50 cameras and microphones and everything connected to the wi-fi there's a kickstarter that i backed i don't know if you saw this one alex but it's basically a, a security 
box kind of like the circle uh, that like can block access to devices. Um, but it monitors the home automation stuff on your network. And if there's a vulnerability or if it's not secured, it'll shut it off from the network and like alert you that you need to update it or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that supports your your want to do less of it. Yeah, uh, partly also it's like it. You know, some of it's just for the sake of gadgets, which is fine. But yeah, so I I'm probably oh, I guess I would say I'm a hold on this. Yeah, I'm a buy. I yeah. I like the smart home stuff. I keep buying more stuff of it. So I I'll let the dollars speak for this one. I don't expect to just cut that stuff out. <laughs> what about you, Sam? Hold. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't put my own invest. I wouldn't invest my own time into this just yet. It's fun to play with, but I don't see it becoming part of my day job anytime yeah. soon. Well, you were saying earlier today about uh, code mash presentation using uh, was it uh, monitoring glucose uh, using Arduino kind of a DIY. Uh, yeah. Um, was it an insulin pump? It was. It was a. So there's a talk out there uh, by a guy from Cincinnati. His name is uh, Tim Mecklin, and his wife has type one diabetes, and she was doing research uh, on the internet and found this group of people that are basically automating the whole uh, test yourself for glucose and inject yourself with with insulin process, and he used a Raspberry Pi Zero to to accomplish that. Um, basically, hooked in with a a hobby group and got something working. And he did that with a Linux stack that that they uh, all kind of came together with. And then that took a month to really come up with and get working right. And then he decided to use more of an embedded environment based on Elixir, which is a programming language that runs on top of the Erlang VM and uh, basically created this embedded environment that runs this whole closed-loop software like that. That's cool. <laughs> and it was fascinating. It was very cool talk. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, that might fall into that practical IoT category. Yeah, but he's not going to go off and sell that right. or make money from that because that's a health device and you Heavily regulated. FDA approval. Yeah. 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 So... Uh, Moving on to Kotlin, which we've mentioned several times. Say we're all buys on that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm done with Swift and moving to Kotlin. No, but, yeah. Uh, for non-Apple ecosystem uh, applications, uh, Kotlin would be my first choice. Cool. That was easy. No? Will... Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll I'll venture this prediction. The Kotlin native compiler was announced, I think, April in 17. And it didn't take long before it, you could actually do iOS apps with it, like maybe a couple months. And then a couple months later, you're able to do frameworks with All it. Right, I'm a I'm a giant sell on Kotlin native. You need to add that to the list, Alex, because I want nothing <laughs> to do with that. Uh, I'm guessing Sam's a buy. What are you on Kotlin Native, Alex? 
and probably a hold. If I if we can find some way of leveraging that in a cross platform, we'll definitely consider it. Um, but previous attempts to do similar things haven't really panned out. But there's pretty good tooling support and community support for Kotlin Native, so we'll see. It's going to kill React Native. Just calling that right now. All right. So next one is uh, <laughs> let's combine these since we're running short on time. Smart speakers and voice interface as a thing, whether it's your phone or your speaker or whatever. HomePod, Alexa. Oh, sorry. Lady in the can. You're going to have to edit out that, Sam. <laughs> or just leave it. Uh, uh, it's going to be <laughs> All right. Um, so I. I'm probably going to be the more negative on this one. Just, uh, you know, I continue to get frustrated with Siri. Um, I don't really see a whole lot of utility in the smart speakers outside of like the initial gimmick of it. Uh, you know, it just needs to get better and less uh, intrusive. I'm going to go with um, hold, but mostly because. I've got probably a core set of like five functions that I do with my smart speakers, uh, particularly the one from Amazon. And it's, it's just kind of this concept of out of sight, out of mind. So if you don't see it, you're not necessarily going to remember to use it. Um, I put the Facebook app on my last screen on my iPhone because I felt like I was going into Facebook too much. And now that I don't see Facebook on my first home screen and my phone, I don't use it that much anymore. So I think that's a major problem with smart speakers and third-party skills for them. I'm going to say I'm a big buy on smart speakers and the voice interface, but not from Apple. It's all going to be Amazon stuff. I feel like it's going to be where the big, anything that's big happens this year. Um, feel like apple is not a lot of it for me is other stuff that i'm big on too like the smart home stuff um is what makes it really key for me uh but yeah i i don't think apple is kind of on the right track with with this stuff well and apple has or amazon has that yeah they have a lead too. jump that big maybe apple will come up with some way to make it better but i don't think the home pod is it um i'm sure they have other products yeah. but uh let's move on to our next item which is um home buttonless phones slash face id buy it it's not going away and it's pretty good pretty good technology yeah i'll do i'll say the same they're not going away i'm sure all the new phones this year will probably be of that form factor unless there's like maybe an se or something new version that comes out yeah and if your app is storing sensitive data and you're not using something like Touch ID already, I, that would be a red flag to me if I was some kind of auditor. So buy it. Use it. So I will grudgingly say buy on Face ID. <laughs> um, I'll admit that it's probably going to live with that uh, for the next few years. But I do think it's it's very much like Touch ID, where that first gen wasn't quite there yet. I feel personally, I feel like Face ID is a little bit slow. I have to put my phone in the right distance and angle to my face. I have to look at it. Um, 
in order to do it unless I turn off that feature. So I, yeah, it, I'm not super crazy about it. I felt like Touch ID was easier. You just need to, and less awkward. You just need to turn but, on Raise to Wake and buy those sleep masks for your house, and you should be good. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing that we talked about is an expectation that the Mac will support Face ID, and that'll replace the whole Touch ID on on the MacBook Pro, and it'll probably replace the Touch Bar. So um, I, I think on the Mac, it's going to be great. Uh, I think it's got a lot of improvement still needed for for the phone that's my opinion the, the only tricky yes, part it, it's the only tricky tricky part with it on the mac is it has to be a laptop or the imac because if you have a separate display you have that whole secure enclave stuff to deal with and i feel like they're not going to put it in a keyboard or something like that or an external monitor so i guess that's the downside of maybe the new mac pro is it wouldn't have any of that stuff um but we'll see if they even do that this year, maybe 2019. Yeah. It's not on the new iMac Pro, which seems yeah. like that would have been a place to put it, but maybe that's waiting for an OS update. It could be, or it's just that it wasn't ready to be put into that kind of thing since they were still working on it for the iPhone. Yeah, could be. But for the print, well... <laughs> Never mind. I won't get into the iMac Pro. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing on our list is AI and machine learning. Um, thoughts? I think this All is going to be continue to be a, a big growth opportunity for a lot of uh, applications. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's a definite buy. I just let the computer think for me now. So we'll put you down for a buy, I take it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I think we did talk about this a little bit last year and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an up and coming technology. And as long as people really recognize what it, what it's there for, what, or what the current technologies are doing, the, the whole machine learning and, uh, augmented reality and, and vision processing, it's really just all about recognizing things right now. Yeah. That's a that's a big leap compared to where we were five years ago. Even I will but, say it, it is a bit of a marketing tool as well. It's like you know this AI enabled machine learning uh, uh, solution for for X. <laughs> it's you know just a way to kind of make it sound like it's smarter than it really is. Yeah. You know, still probably a, a nest of if statements. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there is a little bit. They're they're neurons. Kind of in the uh, what's that called? It's the thing before the trough of disillusionment. We're in like the hype. The the euphoria, something like the irrational. Yeah, we're in the irrational exuberance phase for this AI machine learning stuff. So I'll I'll say hold, but I think people are a little bit too crazy about it. Yeah, it's it'll make apps better uh, as far as apps that need to interact with the real world around it but i do have to say that that google so, arts thing where you take a selfie and it tries to find a uh like a a painting like an old school painting from oh, a yeah. museum One that, that looks like you is kind of fun but <laughs> yeah they, they didn't find anything a, good for good me gimmick. yeah uh, best was like a 25 percent match they found some 
some old dude with this giant mustache and the little hair flip up that I do. And now it's, <laughs> it's pretty weak. Uh, on that note, I think that's about all the time yeah. we have left for this week. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And as always, you can find me at Sam Corder on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo, and you can find the podcast at Shared Inst. Uh, come join us and chat about what you think we got wrong or right by going to chat.sharedinstance.com and getting a Slack invite. And we'll talk to you guys soon.